Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. No better place to be than to be with God's family and to lift your voices toward heaven and to try to express that you love Him. Yeah. Amen. So very thankful. Thank you, worship team, and amen, and uh, good to have, I think we have some relatives of Austin's here, and friend, Ryan, right, there's Ryan, amen, and um, we two, two uh, big uh, congratulations uh, to Austin and Courtney, number one is, the most important, is that we are going to be baptizing them this morning. Amen. And the other kind of important thing is, is congratulations, they are officially engaged to be married. We had a great time last Sunday, didn't we? Amen. What, a, what an honor it was to, to uh, have three. We baptized three, and uh, we baptized Sister Soledad. And then uh, Brian's family was with us, and uh, his father was able to baptize Devon. Uh, then Brother Jeff was able to baptize his son, Easton. So what a great time that was. Sister Corey, so good to have you with us this morning. And I don't know where she comes from anymore, okay, right? I just know that this is her home away from home. Amen. Praise God. And uh, we heard... Uh, the summer conference, it was really, really good, and, and uh, we'd like to say uh, we are thankful. Brother Colton was one of the speakers, and Sister Corey also, and uh, we understand they did, a, they did a great job. We appreciate that. All right, and if you, how many of you were here Wednesday night? That was some good stuff. Brother Clementson uh, taught did an excellent job. Amen. All right, so do remember after service this morning, we will be baptizing Austin and Courtney, so don't get away too soon. There's nothing more important, amen, than to baptize folks. Amen. Their responsibility is to repent. My responsibility is to baptize for the remission of sins. God's responsible to fill him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we're going to believe that he's going to do that. 
All right, we're going to call your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter number 14. And uh, we're going to be reading verses 22 through 30. I'm going to ask if they would turn those track lights down, please, if they would. All right, here we go. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Okay, that word constrained, several different translations will tell you that he compelled them. He told them, one translation uses the words must, needs, as the time that he went through Samaria. In other words, he was saying, you've got to get into that boat. They didn't want to because they had just witnessed a, an incredible, Incredible miracle of feeding 5,000 people. And he says, get in the ship, go to the other side. But he told them, he says, and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. He said, okay, the rest of you few thousand people go home. You've been fed. Go home. Disciples, you need to get in that boat, and I'll meet you on the other side. All right, verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship that they had gotten into was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. One translation says it's a ghost. It's Casper out there. And they cried out for fear. And straightway, Jesus, or immediately, the Bible says, Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, then bid me come unto thee on, on the water. Not just bid me come, bid me come on the water. And he said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Amen. And I'd like to talk to you this morning on this thought, simply, bid me come. We've preached on it before, but not in the way that we're going to bring it to you here this morning. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would... If you'd lift your hearts to the Lord, I'm going to ask Brother McCune if he would lead us in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, we do, Lord. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Jesus. 
Amen. Hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. I'm going to ask if uh, they would put that the little cartoon photo that I sent. They put that up there, please. Bid me come. You know, Peter did something that was so out of the ordinary, it's really beyond comprehension. And he did fall, by the way. And I got to think, you know, wonder who the first guy was that parachuted, right? I mean, and I come up with, they say, yeah, there's a couple of different possibilities, but one of them, his name is Albert Berry, and uh, he made the first successful parachute jump in 1912. But my question is, I wonder who is credited with the first unsuccessful jump. Right? And that little cartoon there kind of says it all. It says, if at first you don't succeed, you won't succeed if you're jumping out of an airplane. But I wonder if you were that first individual jumping out of an airplane, I wonder if you would be afraid of falling or failure. They kind of both work in hand in hand, right? But I wonder if you are afraid of that fall before the parachute opens or the failure of it not opening at all. You see, I believe Peter faced both of these areas in his bid to become not just the first, but the only person in history that we know of that walked on water. Did Peter fall? Yes, he did. Did he fail? No, I don't think he did. You see, by definition, to fall is to move downward. It means to collapse through weakness, to lose one's balance, to stumble, or to drop to a lower position due to gravity. And would you believe that in the dictionary that I have on my iPad anyway, there are 72 different meanings of the word fall in the dictionary. It's a big deal. But now, to fail is to be unsuccessful. To be unsuccessful in performance or completion of something. To fall short of success or achievement in something expected, attempted, desired, or approved. wonder what we've been approved of by the Lord today to try. We've all experienced some kind of failure, right? You see, I was asking Sister Kathleen earlier this morning, because uh, I uh, not too long ago, I, I thought at least that I saw our high school records or whatever, and of course Sister Kathleen came in like 18th in her class or something with a 3.8 GPA, and out of like 
I think 320. I came in at 285 with a 1.8 or something like that, right? But see, no one told me that ninth grade counted toward my high school. I was in junior high. Back then, it was 7, 8, and ninth grade in junior high. You didn't go to high school until you are a sophomore. Nobody ever told me that it was going to count. And so, unfortunately, I flunked a few classes, like three Fs in French and three Fs in algebra. Nobody told me, you know, that it was going to count. Or I might have, Brother Tim, not likely, but I might have tried a little bit harder. You've seen Sister Kathleen recently. She's only got one arm good. See, Kathleen and I have completed two successful falls this year so far. Mine was more of a crash than a fall. Brother Brian could tell you about that one. Hers was a fall. See, when we are young, both falling and failing are just a part of growing up. You ever notice that? Boom goes the toddler. The toddler whines, cries for a short time. Parents, for the most part, unless it's your firstborn, right? By the time your second kid comes around, they fall. You hear them scream a couple of times. They don't even get your attention. Why? Well, because they get up and they go again. I think we have a couple of teachers. I'm not one that would want to attempt to teach a kindergarten kid how to read or spell, all right? I wouldn't want that burden. But how many times do small children fail to get it right the first time? And we as parents, we don't give it a second thought. Why? Because that's life. You fall. You brush yourself off, and you get back up. You fail at something, and either you give up and tell yourself you're not good enough to be successful, or you learn. When we are young, falling and failing is just a part of life. But being successful gets more attention as we grow older. The pressure mounts because we don't want to fall and embarrass ourselves, and we do not want to fail and embarrass our parents. You know, you better not flunk that class. I don't think my parents ever told me that, or I might have tried a little bit harder. But as we grow older, falling and failing has a little bit more impact on our development. In fact, multiple surveys show that 40 to 73% of people over 60 who have fallen fear falling again, and half of these people restrict their activities as a result. And they try to create a safe haven or confine themselves to
to a safe environment because of their fear of falling again. But it creates a cycle. It starts with a fall, then inactivity, then weakness sets in, which creates a greater risk of falling. And so we limit ourselves because we fear falling or failure. And fear unchecked produces a spiritual paralysis. We stop trying to do anything that might lead to failure. Paul Martinelli, you may not know him. He's, a, he's an expert in the business world. He says, failure is a part of the cycle of success. You test, you fail, you learn, you improve, and then you re-enter. John Maxwell says the difference between average people and achieving people is the perception and response to failure. Some soccer player by the name of Kyle Rote Jr., and I don't know who this guy is, but he says, there is no doubt in my mind that there are many ways to become a winner, but there is really only one way to be a loser, and that is to fail and not look beyond the failure. But here's the best one of all. Basketball coach Rick Patino says, failure is good. It's fertilizer. It smells bad. But what it does for you causes you to grow and to produce. There is one very important word that will overcome failure. That word is faith. Faith is mentioned first of the big three in 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. Now abide of faith, hope, and love. And abideth here means to stay in a given place, to endure, to remain, and to be present. Faith is not restrained to the natural laws of creation. Faith never moves off of its foundation. Hope never moves. Love never moves. The writer says, these three abideth forever. In other words, they live on through any circumstance, through any storm, through any season of life. They're unchangeable. They have no way to dissipate. Faith is not restrained to the natural laws of creation. Ask Joshua. Son, don't even think about moving. Red Sea, back up. Jordan, part your ways for us. And how many times did Jesus say to those he ministered to, your faith has made you whole. Because faith does not change. 
You may lack enough faith. Matthew 17 and 17, Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and how long shall I put up with you? You may come short in faith on a personal level, but it does not, it does not even tap into the volume of faith. You may be faithless, but faith does not change. It's still there. 2 Timothy 2 and 13, the writer says, If we believe not, or if we are faithless, yet he abideth faithful, for he cannot deny himself. In other words, he's saying, the writer said, Listen, you need to understand that you may be faithless at times, but you need to understand that Jesus Christ He is unable to change. He cannot deny who He is. Jesus, the Word made flesh, He is the embodiment of faith, hope, and love. So when you see Jesus, your faith is not limited to the natural laws of this world. And the greatest example of faith in action, in faith overcoming failure, is Peter. The story begins in the darkest hour of the night, the fourth watch. They're in a boat during a ferocious storm. It's not just a little storm. It's ferocious. The body of water that they are on, the Sea of Galilee, is actually 600 feet below sea level. They're looking up already. And those in the boat are his chosen. Matthew records Jesus, he had to constrain them because they had just went through a day where he fed the 5,000 and he sent the multitude away, and it was getting toward evening, and the disciples did not want to leave him. The, the Bible says Jesus had, he had to constrain, he had to literally push him into the boat. He knew that they were going to go through a storm, and yet he knew that if the faith that he needed Peter to have was going to develop in that man before he preached on the day of Pentecost, that he was going to have to go through a storm where he ultimately would fail miserably. But he told them, get in the boat, Go before me to the other side. Mark writes that it's a place called Bethsaida. Storms will come. They are not to destroy you or to lessen or devalue your faith. 
They are always to develop you and to add to your faith. If we believe we have been sent and compelled by Jesus to go into the highways and the byways, and a part of Him sending us is the assurance that He will meet us and He will be with us no matter what we go through. He cannot change. Which means there is no storm that can stop the church from getting to our desired destination. Jesus said the gates of hell will never prevail against my church. So Jesus saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. Fourth watch of the night. He had been watching them in their attempt to reach the destination He had compelled them into. I want you to know that the Lord, that we are the apple of His eye. We are His espoused bride. He never takes His eye off of you. He never blinks for one second. He knows exactly where you are. He knows where your faith is at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're going to go through. He had been watching them and he had been praying. He wanted them, I believe, to understand they could not get there without him. They were afraid. The storm, the darkness, the late hour. Afraid comes from a Greek word meaning to cause inward turmoil, to stir up, to disturb, to cause an unsettledness, to throw into confusion. They knew that they were in the right boat. They knew that they had been headed to the right direction. They was on a mission. What they didn't anticipate that was the storms that come to us in life that try to get us off of our direction. That, that no matter how hard, that no matter how much they put into it, they rode with everything that was within them and finally they had to give up rowing. I wonder if they felt like they had failed We'll never get there. This storm is too much for us to handle. We have drifted off course. Not of our own doing, but we didn't anticipate the, 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 the veracity, the, 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 the tenacious spirit of the storm that we're in and now what are we doing? It's dark out there. It's late already. They'd given up rowing. I'm thinking they had 
come to a point where they had, they, they, it had entered into their mind. We failed. We're not going to be there when the Lord gets there. We're not going to be able to reach that place. We're not going to reach the place of our calling. Not because we don't want to. It's because that this dark hour that I live in and because of the storm that is so beaten upon us. They gave up rowing. You've never been in a place where you thought you had failed God in your attempt to get somewhere or do something. You have never attempted something big enough. So now they had to wait out the storm. One thing they knew, that it could not. The storm would pass. Mark writes about the fourth watch of the night. He cometh unto them, walking upon the water. And Mark records that he would have passed them by. What it says? He said he would have passed them by. There's something about when we are in a storm of life that we fail sometimes to recognize that He has been there all the time. He's always going. He will go with you through the storm. He will take you out of the storm together. But sometimes... They could not, they, the Bible says Jesus would have passed them by if they had not recognized that he really was with them. Mark records they all saw him. Whoa. Walking on, walking on the water. He says, it's a ghost. And the Bible says they were all filled with fear and doubt. Doubt here is reference to those who do in fact believe that Jesus is and what he is capable of, but at the same time have lingering doubts. Doubt here is not the same as unbelievers. But instead, it comes from living in a world filled with situations and circumstances, trials and tribulations that can cause even strong believers to doubt. Is he really in this? Is he re- Is that him in this storm? We're told they were battered by the waves, which means to subject to severe distress, torment, and harassment. 
Those in the boat had arrived, had arrived to a state of fear which now held captive their faith. It is called spiritual paralysis. Watch what happens. Oh, there's a word here that's used a couple of times. And as soon as they recognized him, the Bible says, and immediately Jesus began to talk with them. Oh my God, you think, is it as soon you, if you're in something that you cannot get out of, I want you to know that as soon as you recognize that, that Jesus Christ has not left you alone, that He is with you in that storm, I guarantee you, the Bible says, and immediately He struck up a conversation with them. And He said, take courage, it is I. Most translation says, I am I am here with you. Be not afraid. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, if it is you, Lord, then bid me come. Oh, no. Not just bid me come. See, once we recognize Jesus is with us in the storm, he immediately wants to speak faith into our situation. Matthew records, listen, the words that he spoke. He wants to speak faith into your life. Take courage. I am here. Be not afraid. Matthew records, Lord, if this is you speaking to me, from the storm, calling me into the storm. Because faith will overcome. The storms will change. Faith does not change. It will always be there to overcome your storms. It doesn't change. It can't change because Jesus is the embodiment of faith and hope and love. Peter says, bid me come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. wonder if Peter's afraid of falling or failing. You see, no one has ever attempted this before. It is impossible, the voices from the boat. Peter, don't even attempt it. You will drown. And no one, if he fails, no one will blame him because what he is attempting is impossible. And if he falls, no one in the boat 
is going to jump in to save him. And when Peter was come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Impossible. Absolutely impossible. Faith has to leave the environment of fear. Faith is the only thing that will defeat your fear. Faith will overcome. He walked, writer says, when Peter was come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw and when he felt the storm on his mortal body, he became afraid and began to sink. He took a fall. Gravity had taken its toll. In his fall, had he failed? I don't know how close he got. I don't know if he fell right before the Lord. What we do know is this. Remember, Fall is to move downwards. He began to sink. Failing is to be unsuccessful. Now all he could do as he goes under. Imagine, I've never almost drowned before, but I've had some really close friends that have. And I would imagine as Peter's going under, that possibly it's beginning to get a little light. We don't know, but even if it wasn't, I believe that the Lord shined bright enough to where Peter could see him. And all Peter could do is he began to sink. And the last thing that he saw looking up out of that water and what he voiced was, he seen, I believe he saw the face of the Lord and he, all he could do was say, Lord, save. Watch, and the word is used again, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, saying, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they and when they came into the boat, the storm seized. And they worshiped him. I don't know about you. I'm not, a, I'm not a quick learner sometimes. But I have learned this. That every time he takes me through a storm, I know I've got enough sense, Brother Jeff, that I will worship him because he is the one that takes me through. John's the only writer that records this in verse number 
chapter 6, verse number 21, John records here again. Immediately, the ship was at the land where they went. I don't know. All I got is a scripture to go on. Immediately is immediately. In other words, you understand that faith does not operate under the laws of nature. It does have, it has no limitations. And the Lord on board, what I'm telling you, the Lord can take you to your destination just like he did Philip in a heartbeat. What a ride. I can only imagine what went on within that boat. There were some goings on, I'm telling you. Yeah, there was. No one has ever even, I don't know about you, you ever tried to walk on water? As far as we know, nobody's ever attempted or been successful at it again. But remember, failure is the cycle of success. Fail, learn, improve, re-enter. I'm here to speak to somebody this morning that maybe it is that you are somewhat skeptical or forgive my pronunciation, that for whatever reason, you are doubting and fearful of entering into a relationship or a closer relationship with God because you are afraid that you are going to fall or you are going to fail. Faith does not operate in a safe zone. Proverbs 24, 16, if I fall seven times, I will get back up. And because you fail at doing something does not make you a failure. Learn, learn, learn. I have to go to another time in Peter's life. Luke 22, 31, 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you again, Peter. I have prayed that your faith does not fail. Not that you are not going to fail because, son, you are going to deny me three times. You are going to fall. You are going to fail miserably. You are going to get to a place where nobody has ever done that like that done, Peter. But I am praying that your faith will not fail. You mean that my faith can still be in operation when I fall. 
when I'm over my head, that's when faith really gets going. That's when faith does the impossible. Not for Peter not to fail because Jesus already knew. He said, Peter, rooster's going to crow. You're going to, by, by the time that rooster gets through crowing, you will have denied me three times. Of course, we know Peter said, yeah, that ain't happening. Remember, I walked on the water. Okay, I'm just saying. Jesus knew. Ooh. Jesus already knew he was going to and knew it would absolutely come close to destroying Peter. Right? You can't even go to the place that he went to. This is the guy that got the keys. This is the guy everybody's counting on. This is a guy that leads the pack. He said, I'll die for you. But I'll never fail you, Lord. But listen to Jesus' words. Listen carefully. He says, and when you are converted, which means recovered. Peter, listen to my words because you're going to need to hear these words because your future is all about recovery after the fact. You will recover. And when you do, Peter, you need to strengthen your brothers. You need to encourage them. You need to let them know. Remember, fail, learn, right? Peter should have known that he should not have followed his master from afar off. Hello? He, he, should, have, he should have already gotten that lesson. Peter, you got to get close to me. When the storms come, you got to draw near me. You got to come toward me, not fade away from me. Bible says Peter followed afar off. He got further away until finally the rooster did crow. And Luke writes this, and it is one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible. It says the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter, and the Bible says, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. I believe that there was something in that look that Peter recognized. You see, what he didn't completely understand was that look that was coming to him this time was not going to reach down and save him out of the water. But that look was to let him know, Peter, as you saw me when you were sinking, this look, it's not one 
of condemnation. I don't believe in judgment. No, no. The look was the assurance. Peter, I'm doing this to save you. And when you recover from falling, from failure, you are going to strengthen and encourage your brothers. You see, the writer said that failure is the cycle of success. You, if we never attempt the miraculous, if we never enter into that place where we say, Lord, bid me come. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. This was not just a turning point in Peter's life. This was a total breakdown for that man. Utter failure. He took a fall like no other living person had ever experienced, never will. The real Jesus in flesh going to the cross. I've always thought that Simon Peter's calling was to help Jesus bear his cross. Instead, they compelled another Simon. Personal opinion. I thought that was his calling. But he remembered the words of Jesus. Peter, when you recover, strengthen your brothers. You see, there's going to be another side of Calvary. There is a resurrection coming, Peter and I will meet you again. And the Bible says in John 21st chapter, Peter says, I go a fishing, and they all go with them. After Jesus had resurrected from the dead, they see somebody standing on the shore. John hears the voice of Jesus from the shore, come and dine. Peter doesn't recognize the voice, but he takes the word of John, the Bible says that Peter jumps in that water and he moves toward that shore where his master is. I wonder in my own imagination, I wonder if that was his attempt once again to walk on that water to get to his master, but instead he swam that time. Peter, feed my sheep and follow me. On the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, Peter standing up with the eleven. You understand, you understand, guys, that the only way that that man, and listen, we're not advocating falling failures of any kind. But I'm here to tell you that if you are in this to do the impossible, you will fail, you will fall. And if you aren't falling and failing once in a while, then you aren't really attempting anything big. But I want you to know that it took the experience that Peter had 
Why? Not just to encourage his brother, but to encourage a church that was 2,000 years removed from Calvary and the eyewitness account of the resurrection. He was there. He wants you and I to understand that that failure, falling, is just a process of faith that overcomes whatever storms, whatever you think you can't do. Faith says, you watch me do it. I will do it. Because if it is the voice of the Master bidding you to come, nothing can ever stop it. Not happening. Won't happen. Can't stop it. You see, we've all been in that same boat as you stand here with us this morning. We've all been in that boat of fear and despondency. All hope is gone and all. I was in that boat, Brother Stan. And all I could do, all I could do was believe that it was truly the voice of Jesus bidding me from my storm of life, saying, G.K., I want you to know, son, that faith will get the job done, but it has to move you toward me. It can't be, it can't be a, a faith of paralysis. It's got to move you. You've got to, it's got to move you toward my voice. Save me, Lord. That's the bottom line. Save me, God. GK, you'll never make it. I'll give you six months, my friend said. Six months. As they continued to blow the smoke in my face for the tent and tried to get me to give up this thing called my salvation, they said, GK, you will never make it. You'll never graduate from high school. Almost didn't, but I did. First one on both sides of my family. Can you believe that? I'm in high school. I didn't learn anything past seventh grade, honestly. I didn't learn anything. You can't get a good job. You'll be a lot lizard all your life, son. Who do you think you are writing your own pay plan? And who do you think you are pulling up the second on Auburn, driving a Mercedes Benz and your wife driving a Mercedes? Who do you think you are? You can't do that. You're a flunky. You are good enough to ever be a preacher. Your family ancestry is absolutely perverted. 
you're not good enough to preach this word. There's never been a preacher on both sides of your family. You're not good enough. Your name's not O'Daniel. Your name's not so-and-so and so. No, you're just, you are a miserable creature. You will, you will never build a sanctuary in this city. It's never been done. You can't. You cannot be a pastor. You are not qualified. Lord, if it's you, If it's you, Lord, that is bidding me, all I can do is make my way toward it, Lord. And you got to understand that I am, I'm like, hey, Brother Jill, I'm like, Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Well, he didn't live around my family. Brother Tim, you can't, you can't live for God. Impossible. Tower of Pentecost, it is an impossibility that you even think that in today's world that, that you can have a harvest of souls that will absolutely astound this community and our world. It is not even possible. Okay. If it is his voice that is bidding you come, then you need to understand, Peter, that you may, you weren't a, son, you weren't a failure. You walked on the water. You did the impossible. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning to come to seek the Lord for a few minutes. And we're going to I need a couple of folks to help Courtney and, and Austin get ready for baptism. But listen to me, there's some, I believe there is someone, if not multiple people here today that you need to hear this message. Don't ever get it in your brain that you are a absolutely failure. Don't you fall in once, get back up and brush yourself off and let faith have its way in your life. Faith will not change. Faith will not leave you. Would you come? If you're here this morning and you have a need in your life, if you need a miracle in your life, 
If you are facing an impossible situation in your life, I want you to know I believe that the God of the impossible is here this morning. And maybe it is that He wants to engage your faith. He wants to produce in you a life-changing miracle in your life that you will never deny. That's it. Would you come? Would you come? You call me out. Sister Corey, you can never become a district youth director that has never happened in the history of the United Pentecostal Church. You can't do it because you are a godly lady. I know, but watch. believe him. Let's believe him. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There I find you in the mystery in oceans deep. My